Faith here with your podcast, Welcome Toast. A great way to lose weight is to eat naked in front of a mirror. Listen to our show in small bites or enjoy the whole thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. Coming up on the show in a little while, we have Adventures in Slow Cooking. Oh, is this going to make you hungry. We have all kinds of recipes for you, all kinds of techniques. Imagine this kind of cooking where you just throw something in a pot and come home and it is done. All you have to do is put it on a plate. There could be some searing involved as a first step. No, that's definitely true. Okay, my treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, and senior producer Robin Doyan Aiken. Here's what we love about homemade soup. You can make it into a meal with a, a few simple tricks. We all do this here on the show, right? snowy day that's yeah, that's like once or twice a week oh no for me it's like whenever there's a snow or it's weather you, related yeah it's for me it's, well no because i do it in the summer too but in then the winter it's about that cold snowy kind of day and the first you're thing stuck i do inside. yeah and you're stuck inside and you know you have to go maybe outside to do some clearing and you want to come into something warm i don't even relate it to the weather although that is fun when it's snowing out and you do this kind of thing for me it has to do with, oh, it's flavor and calories and ease. That's why I love it. It's comforting. I feel it's somehow healthy yeah. because I'm having soup with all <laughs> the true. elements it's in it. Yeah, well, it's I true. do no, it is yeah. true. because it's got protein and yeah. grains and vegetables. And, vegetables. and liquid. We just want it to be enjoyable. The, the liquid, I think they say, uh, oh. like, because in south of Spain, they eat a lot of soup and they say it's a healthy way of getting your moisture. So when you're mm. eating soup, you're getting a lot yeah. of water with it as well. You know what else is great if you're serving soup for a meal? And I encourage you, if, if somebody, if you've got somebody in your family, or maybe it's you, and you've got a particular health challenge, some people have a sodium yeah. issue, mm. can't have a gluten, whatever it might be, we're finding out more and more about people. They want to feel mm. at their best. And it's part of the gesture of graciousness, I think, is to help them feel that way. So sure. yeah. if I can make a delicious soup without knocking somebody over the head with a sodium dump, mm. I don't have yep. to do that to make my soup no. great. Chris, what's the trick for going low sodium and boosting flavor? Would it be herbs and spices? Herbs and spices. But one of the most important things people still forget is that when we make soup, we use the canned or box broths. And they're a good shortcut. They're much better than they ever have been, but they're still a little higher in the sodium. So if you're going to use that, and even I use them at home, I do one of two things. One, I'll fortify them with something else. I'll put a bone in it. And the other you thing- You mean a chicken bone? A chicken bone or a beef bone or whatever it is, and I'll get Big back to that. marrow bone. Yeah, marrow bone. But the other thing is cut it with water. Because what you forget is oh. the broths are where they're supposed to be in the box like to eat now. But when you make soup, they reduce. And as they reduce, your sodium level goes way up. So always start with, let's say, uh, I'll even go as high as 50-50. So if I'm going to use a quart of the broth, I'll use a quart of water. You can always add more sodium, but it's hard to take it out, right? That is the best tip I've heard about soup in a Mm -hmm. long time. Mm -hmm. You'll see we've got some of our own recipes on the site right now. 
including this Greek lemon chicken soup that can serve as a meal. We've got Chris's wonderful tomato soup. Some of my recipes, before I heard this tip from Chris, as you're hearing it Mm -hmm. now, call for a couple uh, containers of chicken stock. Now I'm thinking, mm-hmm. from the store, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, wow, maybe you just do one and yeah. then water it down. And then water yeah. it down, okay. and then you can add the sodium. If Then you taste it. If it needs salt, just add it. Let's do this Greek lemon chicken soup. This is something that I make all the time. I love it. I never can pronounce this. Abgalamono. Is, is that how you say that, that Greek soup that we have in diners and in Greek restaurants? Sure, I'm always that bad That lemon rice. How do you spell it, Chris? Delicious yeah. thing. <laughs> so anyway, this is uh, Greek lemon chicken soup. Soups as a meal. That's what we're doing on the show. So this calls for um, low-sodium chicken broth. We tell you how much yeah. at the recipe. Uh, cooked quinoa, because I think quinoa is a, just a Me genius too. grain. An easy Satisfying. Yeah. High protein. High protein. Delicious. Very neutral. Yep. Um, some eggs. The juice of a few lemons. Yeah. Uh, broccoli that I dice up very small. Fresh broccoli. You could use frozen. A little bit of extra virgin olive oil. And then salt and pepper to taste if you can have both those things. Now, I'm going to tell you how to make this. This is mm-hmm. so easy. If you want to add to this soup... A little more protein, you can do that, as in chicken, shredded chicken, off a rotisserie chicken if you want. Or maybe there's an extra chicken breast around that's been hanging around. Or maybe you poached one while you're cooking your soup. And it is delicious with shrimp. That sounds wonderful. So so it would be Greek lemon chicken soup or Greek lemon shrimp soup. (laughs) Both so delicious. Okay, so I just cook up. A bunch of quinoa and I tend to put it in a container and take out a scoop it's and a add to it go. to all kinds of things salads, Sou- salads yeah. soups whatever yeah. it is I, sometimes I have everything. it in the morning for my cereal oh, like a free like a porridge, porridge. Yeah. yeah yeah so anyway you cook up some quinoa and you just set that aside and then in a soup pot on the stovetop you know that broccoli a little little uh, bit of olive oil diced up really fine and but 10 minutes and then it gets tender. Yep. And then I add the, the couple containers of the chicken broth, or maybe one plus water, <laughs> yeah. and I throw in that cooked quinoa to the pot, and I bring it to a boil, and then I reduce it, and I'm just stirring it occasionally. Sure. Chris, you, you're oh, with me yeah. so far. Okay. The, the aromas, oh my God. Now, while that's <laughs> cooking, and a little bit of stirring, I put down my, my spoon, and I just take a bowl. <laughs> and this is the easiest thing, I take a whisk, and I whisk together the whole eggs and the lemon juice, and I just whisk, 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 and it starts looking frothy, okay. kind of white frothy. And I keep whisking, and then what you do to keep the eggs from cooking is you take one cup mm. of the soup water, slowly drizzle it Temper into it. the yeah. eggs, and yeah. keep whisking. Yeah. You just don't want the eggs to cook, and that's yeah. the trick. Then yeah. I dump that back into the soup pot, yeah. and suddenly nothing is cooking. Now, at the very end, you could oh, toss in your technique. shredded chicken. Sure. You throw in your cooked shrimp in there, and then it's stirred a few more minutes. <sighs> yeah. And you are good to go. You can serve Party. it with a baguette or a salad. Yeah. That Crusty is at right now. Yeah. It's posted at foodschmooze.org. is one of my go-to soups all oh, winter sounds long. sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. Totally right? a meal. Yeah. It, totally. Isn't it? So, Robin, would your kids eat it? Yes. They love chicken soups of all kinds. 
And they also think, too, that when there's some lemon in there, it's somehow special <laughs> or fancy. Oh, that is adorable. Yeah. I like okay, that. And I love it. People forget yeah. about acid in soups. Oh, it's so important. Let's hear about um, some there. of your soups as a meal. Chris. Yeah, I do a tomato and chicken soup. It's a heartier than just a creamy tomato. And it has chicken broth, tomato sauce, uh, chopped up tomatoes, chicken breast. You mean plum tomatoes in yeah, a can? Yeah, just chopped up. Yeah, or, oh, or, you, mean or you can ones? use fresh. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can use fresh. And they don't have to be super ripe because they're going to cook down. Regular plum tomatoes, chicken breast. And then I season it with a little bit of honey, a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, a couple dashes of hot sauce. And then I love those little diddlini pastas that are like little tubes. Oh, yeah, me too. And I don't know about you, but like if I'm making pasta, I like al dente, right? I like yeah. it to be a little firm. But I don't know. When I make soup, is it just me? I want my noodles to be mushy. Do you know what I mean? I well, want they're always mushy by the end. and comforting. Just, oh. yeah, growing up in, in like, you know, canned soup. Yeah, they were, all they were like, yeah, yeah. They almost dissolve in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's comforting. <laughs> There's something about chicken noodle soup, uh, and it's those noodles that get us mm. every single time. The, do you garnish with anything at the end, Chris, cheese. when you do your... Parmesan cheese, scallions, chopped up red onion, fine, yeah. Have you have you tried putting in mint? Mint is good, too, or basil. It sounds so strange, no, but, but my mint, grandmother always uses yeah, mint tomato. in, in uh, chicken soup. Yeah, and tomato soup, too. And wow. it goes yeah. in at the very end, and yeah. it just gives it this kind of... Wonderful, fresh flavor. It sounds so contrary to what you would ever use mint for. I know there are cilantro lovers and cilantro haters. I yeah. happen to be in the love camp. I would put cilantro yeah, on Yeah, and fresh lime over the top then. Ooh. So if so you go in different Asian. directions. So yeah, yeah, so I mean, that's the thing about soup. So if I were to do that, I would add some uh, cumin yep. into the soup when I'm making it. And I then I'm all, yeah, now I'm taking it into that too. Mexican Spanish thing. I garnish it with cilantro. Lime. I squeeze lime, and it's a totally different soup again. You don't even have to do the baguette at the end the way you do yeah. with my oh. soup. You do tortilla Tortillas chips. Tortillas crispy. Yeah. yeah. And you can even sprinkle them over the top so you mm. have that kind of tortilla mm. casserole, right, Robin? Yeah. Your kids would love that, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at foodschmooze.org, we have my lemon greek lemon chicken or greek lemon shrimp soup it's not hard to do at all and it features quinoa not usually the white rice that many greeks use in that traditional recipe uh, it's a little bit higher in protein i like the texture of it the mm. taste of it and chris has just given us his quick and easy tomato chicken soup Love that recipe. Mm. All of them at foodschmooze.org. It's like big hugs and bowls. This is too good a subject. You obviously, if you're just joining us, we're doing how do you make soup into a meal on a weeknight or a weekend? There is not a question that we would invite people over to have this meal. Mm, it doesn't have to be a roast. It doesn't have no. to be you know, homemade ravioli. Yeah. This is a meal for your friends coming over. Less expensive. And it's I think delicious. people leave happier yeah. after a big bowl of soup. People walk in and you say, grab a bowl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A few garnishes on the table, yeah. baguette, salad. Yeah. You're good to go. Something wonderful for dessert. Some You're done. Rustic napkins and yeah. just rustic bowls and big spoons. Pirate <laughs> 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 iPad. <laughs> grab some grog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so... I want you to join our conversation because there are too many people with too many great ideas about this very subject, yeah. about how you turn soup into a meal at your house. Yeah. And it's also great to have something slightly lighter at the end of the day. Uh, if you go to us on Facebook right now, tell us about what you do. 
when you make soup as a meal? Is there something you add to an existing soup? Is there yeah. some? We don't care. We want to know your trick for making soup mm-hmm. as a meal. And you can find us right now at Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Okay. Alex, what do you do as soup as a meal? So we like making our chicken at home the way Chris does. So low and slow, and I always make it in a skillet. And when I'm done... So I, this is roasting a chicken. Yeah, I love roasting a chicken in a small skillet. And when I'm done, I always save the carcass. And even while I'm doing dishes, I'm making my stock for a future date. Yep. I'll go in the freezer. I'll take out... I keep all the frozen gizzards from all the whole chickens. I put them in a Ziploc bag. I have a stock pot of water with a carcass. I throw in any ugly old vegetables, you know, in, yeah, in the, empty root, the fridge. Uh, drawer of the refrigerator. You know, so the carcass, the gizzards, these vegetables. And by the time dishes are done, you really have a base to a soup. And so then I'll, I'll let that cool. I'll strain it. Without and all the sodium, by the way. For Who flavor, I'll it? do peppercorns, like, but I'll put in whole peppercorns. So future date, I'll take this base and then I can take it, like you were saying, Chris, in a Spanish direction. Well, wait a minute. Do you freeze that? So base? I'll freeze it. I have a whole uh-huh. bunch of containers I get at like a restaurant depot. I'll uh-huh. label the top saying, you know, chicken broth. Chicken broth. Uh-huh. So one night I'll come home and I'll defrost it. And if I want to turn it into Spanish soup, I will put in some chorizo, Ooh. like the, not the dried kind, but the Fresh. uncured yeah. chorizo. Uh, you mean do you cook it first? Uh, no, I just pierce it. You have to pierce the casing or it'll sort of yeah, pop. Uh, pop. Oh, so you do the whole sausage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just... I just pierce it with a fork. Wow. A couple oh, of right spots. Okay. And I I've throw never... it right into Can the you stock. Do that? Yeah, okay, course. go ahead. Yeah, so now Let all of a sudden it, it starts giving it like a paprika, spicy, mm. delicious mm. Spanish flavor. Then I'll take. You can either soak garbanzo beans, but if you don't have time, just use canned, rinse them off. I dump that in. I take potatoes and just sort of roughly, you know, chop them into big chunks, throw that in. And then half hour later, you have like a Spanish, a sort of a quick version of a cocido. It's like a very hearty garbanzo chicken Mm -hmm. soup that has different kinds of meats, pork, beef, bones, uh, chorizo. Yeah, very hard. But it takes like hours to make. But this gives you kind of a quick version. version. Yeah. And if you want to make it like northern Spain, you can actually add at the last few minutes, add some kale to it or yeah. any kind of leafy greens. Ooh, Swiss okay. chard. Yeah, yeah, Swiss chard would be yeah. perfect. And all of a sudden you have this like caldo gallego, like a Spanish, northern Spanish soup. But it's all from like what you normally, you would throw away your chicken carcass and the gizzards that come with the chicken. You save all that stuff. Yeah. This will be fantastic. Robin, I want to hear, do you ever do this soup as a meal? Sure. Sometimes I use it as an excuse to have a really good bread. I'm all all about the bread. (laughs) Me too. So with a salad, that's how I really turn it into a meal the sides. So what is your soup? A brothy soup, usually a chicken soup, because that's what I can get everyone to say yes to. So that's easy enough to know how to do it. Do you put noodles in yours for the kids? I do, but I use this trick so that the noodles don't get too mushy. I actually add the noodles in last. Yep. The whole, the soup is bubbling and it's simmering and it's wonderful and everyone is looking forward to it. I cook the noodles separately and add them to the bowls after. I just love a soup that has something hearty in it. So it might be Chris's chicken, my shrimp. I like the idea of doing um, sweet potatoes, oh, yeah. uh, regular white potatoes. Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Pumpkin. Pumpkin. I mean, and oh. they get sweeter, too. Oh, and no yeah. one, you know, the hardest part is peeling them, but you can make really great soup out of pumpkin. Yeah. 
any kind of winter squash. Whenever I do that, I always add a couple of shakes of cinnamon over the top. Mm. People, they, uh. they, they feel like they're getting something, some mm. flavor that they're, they just don't associate it with yeah. soup. That cinnamon with the squash, any kind of squash or Do you pumpkin? add a little cream? Sometimes, yeah. So here's, I'm so glad you said this, Robin, because this is where I fool around with Middle Eastern spices. Mm. There's one called za'atar. Oh, that's your favorite. It's my favorite, <laughs> but there are many that Remind I Remind like. me of that one. It is a kind of citrusy, like mm. oh, reddish brown. It's sumac, actually, ground up. So delicious. It's a little citrusy in some Mm, indefinable way. So I will sprinkle that into a soup. This is a time where you could experiment with some spices that you like. You start playing with the spices and the herbs like that, you can take your soup in totally different directions. My grandmother would add, in her beef soup, would add clove. Yeah, that's another Which one. Which is, you know, you, everyone has, the, you know, clove in their yeah, spice drawer. Ne- yeah, you just do a few, and it gives us, like, kind of like what spice does. It's like a little buzz of, mm. like, this base note. Do I remember that there is cinnamon in one of the classic Vietnamese beef recipes? I'm, one in, the, I'm in the one camp that I like cinnamon in savory things more than I like cinnamon in sweet things. There's something about these hearty soups that you make as a meal where everybody is sitting there saying, oh, this is so good. This feels so good and tastes so good. I think we evolved to eating soup, right? Like people, you'd have a big pot, pot going simmering. over the hearth and simmering soup. All right, listen, here's the deal. I could talk about this forever, but we have a tremendous book coming up, and that is Adventures in Slow Cooking. Fantastic book. I am now about to go off. I've got an assignment for the show, so I'm about to go off and do that. It's killing me because I want to be with my buddies every second of this show, but they (laughs) swear they're going to have a good time with you while I'm gone. We will. Okay. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org. That's where all of our soup recipes are. We'll be right back. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Welcome back. This is the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, minus Faith at the moment. She's on assignment, but the party continues. I'm senior producer Robin Doyon Aiken, and I'm in the studio with Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. When you go, let him know you're a listener. He loves that. I'm with Alex Province, and also Mark Raymond is joining us now. Hey, hey, Mark. hey. All right. <laughs> Alex and Mark are our resident wine brokers and wine experts. So, No matter what your schedule is, you never have to miss a food schmooze. It's the year 2018. There are a multitude of ways to listen whenever you want. Sign up for our podcast. 
Go to foodschmooze.org, and on the right-hand side of the homepage, you'll see a tab that says, Get the Podcast. <laughs> Click it and subscribe. If you like us, let the world know by rating us in iTunes so that other people who love listening to people talk about food and wine can find our podcast. You can listen on demand on foodschmooze.org, too. There's a play button right in the middle of the homepage. Just click it, and there we are. I just realized I do the laziest one. I go to this Food Schmooze page and just click that little thing. Yeah. Everything else takes work. <laughs> but it's so easy. I just go to that page, click, and then well, we're Well, you done. have to spell schmooze. <laughs> yeah. okay. But you've taught me that, so I got it now. <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to start off with a wine because that's what we do. Uh, Mark Raymond has brought a beautiful, one of our favorite vineyards of all time. We've had it on the show before because we just love them, Santa Carolina Mark, tell us about this Merlot. This Merlot is from Chile. It's uh, Santa Carolina Reserva, the 2015 vintage. Um, and this, to me, I just love the juiciness of this wine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of plum, some dark cherry. It's even got a neat little sort of black olive note to it, which is kind of cool. I love it just, you know, this time of the year when you're looking for an easy drinking red with a little bit of... Uh, lusciousness and uh, sort of spice it's it's absolutely delicious yeah I thought so too we had it with a miso butter roasted chicken uh, but what's the ideal dish one of the things that I'm doing this time of year is beef braised short ribs oh mm -hmm. that's good with all the root vegetables in there and all that just goodness of herbs and spices put a little of this wine in it too like yeah. a little glug glug when you're braising it pull it all together and the best thing about this Robin what under ten dollars. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say no. a lot of their wines. That are whole under reserve 10. line yeah. is right in that ten dollar range. Right. Yeah, and what if great. we've had the Merlot, the Cabernet, right? The Pinot, Pinot, Noir. Pinot Noir. We've talked about Carmenere, yeah. Sauvignon Blanc. I like it because once you get to know a brand like this, and you know you like it, then you can say, "Oh, I'm having duck tonight. Maybe I want to try the Pinot." Right? That's the one thing about yeah. knowing yeah. a wine that has multiple varietals, uh, varietals yeah. that you can really you've learned to trust it and then you can go from one to the other we've talked about wines that at this price point that are i would not want to drink that are industrial that i do not trust but then when you look at a wine like this that comes from chile from pristine beautiful vineyards where exactly. the cost of land is so much less it allows them to produce what should be like a 20 dollar bottle for ten dollars great point i mean so it's it's wholesome it's well made very we should mention point. Merlot kind of fell out of favor a couple years ago from a movie. Yeah. And everyone thought Merlot was terrible and poo pooed it. Oh. But in reality, Merlot is a great grape that's used in French Bordeaux as a major player there. They're using and, it in, in Italian wines now. Right. We just we did it super Tuscan recently. Yeah. Um, and so the idea that some people will say, oh, I don't drink Merlot, but Merlot is like a beautiful grape. And this is like juicy and has good structure to it. You know, so if I were going to a party, this is the kind of wine that I think would have mass appeal. You pour it. Everybody. Yeah. No Everybody's one's, everyone's going to yeah. like it. We have, we have to take some blame, too. Didn't we in this country make kind of Merlot's sort of this grape Goopy. juice kind of? Yeah. Right. I mean, they weren't the greatest Merlots. Which is why it got that kind of bad reputation, though. No? Yeah, flabby and yeah, over yeah. the top, yep. and yeah, and that's well, not this. Right? I, so that's I like. This. I'm happy to say I'm not embarrassed to say I like Merlot. I mean, this is a really nice. Glass I'll never of wine. forget the the scene in that movie. Though. Yeah. What was it called? Sideways. Sideways. Merlot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the Santa Carolina 
Reserva Merlot. The vintage is 2015. Mark. You can get this in uh, Connecticut at your local retailer. If they don't have it, they can get it within 24 to 48 hours. It would be at the maximum $10 a bottle. Love I was, that. Thank you. Sometimes it takes them slightly longer than 24 to 48 hours if it happens to like fall on a Friday and it may not be until Tuesday or something. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> if yeah. you're going in over the weekend, they <laughs> so don't have it. So they're doing their best. Yeah. Be reasonable. You can call ahead, though. <laughs> so, guys, Whole Foods, every year they do this, they release a list of food trends. Uh-oh, deja vu <laughs> yeah, I know. from last year, Chris. So, I got, like, none of them. No, you got well, some uh, Maybe I got year. one. No, we were good. <laughs> So these are food trends for this year, yes, for 2018. These are things that you should keep a lookout for. Um, these are the things that are going to be popular and happening in 2018. Okay. So. I'm going to say like greens, like turnip tops or something like that. Ooh, okay. Not mentioned by name here on the list, but I, I appreciate <laughs> the guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mark. I don't know. Broccoli Rob. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. That's a good one. Broccolini? The vegetable that Whole Foods really did mention by name as a big trending food for 2018 is mushrooms, actually. Ooh, oh, I love it. Cool. I yeah, love it. I love mushrooms, too. Wild ones, right? Yeah. Local ones. Yep. Let me tell you a couple and see if you are kind of game. And then ask us again. <laughs> yeah, see if you're game <laughs> for these. So how do you guys feel about edible flowers? Usually hmm. spicy. They look fun until you eat them, and then they're like, they don't <laughs> taste Mustard. sweet. They're like spicy. I grew spicy. up on nasturtiums. Yeah, My me mom too. always grew those. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, they put them on tea sandwiches and stuff, so they've, they've got a purpose. Yeah. My kids were always fascinated with them, the fact that they could actually eat them off the plates. But, I, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays it's, eh. So mm-hmm. I was in third or fourth grade, and I grew up in New York, and our school trip that month was to the Botanical Garden. And maybe this was the moment I knew I was going to be a chef, but I blocked it. But I remember going on this tour with a botanist or whatever, and uh, he brought us over to Roses. And he said, these are edible rose petals. And we all got to eat one rose petal. And remember it to this day. Remember the taste to this day. It reminds me of the movie Like Water for Chocolate. Remember that scene? Yeah. Floral flavors are going to be big this coming year, and I feel like this is kind of related to another trend that Whole Foods mentioned, and that's that Middle Eastern cuisine will start to be mainstream now. And so I, when I think about eating roses and rose hips and orange, things like that, yeah, yeah I yeah. always rose think water of, in the rice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can um, totally see that. I would be thrilled if that actually came to me that you could just go anywhere and get really great Middle Eastern. Oh, food. we have a new one in Winstead, so, so I'm so good. <laughs> oh, that's right. The yeah. flower shop in Whole Foods is more like you yeah. shop to like <laughs> what you're gonna eat. Edible flowers, right <laughs> there. Like Twelve yeah. of those. It's the new produce department. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So what else you got? That's a good one. Oh, I like those that. are thorny. <laughs> so for snacks, everything. You know, forget your regular chips mm-hmm. now. Everything is going to be puffed and popped. Puffed and popped, like yeah. rice products. Yeah. Kale and chips. Pop chips. Barley. No, I get these mm-hmm. in Stop and Shop. I get these like rice chips that are barbecue flavored, that are low cal. Mm. So yeah. what do you, you get away from the fat? Because they're air popped. Air popped. The barbecue ones are actually pretty good. It's because mm. you could eat the powder itself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but then a sheet of paper. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the point. Right. And it's low cal and right. you feel good. Just, the whole, just sprinkle it in your whole, mouth. The whole bag is like 100 calories. I put my calories. palm and like lick it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alex, you just mentioned powders, which yeah. is also on the trendy list now of 2018. Yeah. And this is the idea of 
adding, you know, different, what's that? It's like fennel, matcha. Yeah, and fennel powder. Like umami flavors yes. and just adding flavors to things? Yes, to coffee, smoothies. So powders in a coffee. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, wow. Hmm. Powders, like in, powders, powders in all kinds of things. Powders in soups. Yes, protein powders. Oh, um, wow. You can find these powders now in like nutrition bars and granola bars and incorporated in foods that typically hadn't had them before, but now they're just huge. I can see well, that. I hope they get like added to like liquid so you're not just eating powder. Yeah. Have you ever eaten like Nesquik, like straight out of the out of the box? Oh, oh yeah. I was like serious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, goes down the wrong way, you inhale it. You're like <laughs> 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 coughing out chocolate. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um now another food trend that I'm totally on board with, people will now be eating shellless tacos. So like all the fixins and the fillins in very reminiscent of tacos. Like but a taco not, salad. Yeah, but not in a taco shell itself. Huh. Why is that? Fortune magazine <laughs> is saying that um, people are just trying to reinvent the taco in any way they can. It's it's about reinvention. Um, so a deconstructed taco. Yeah, <laughs> and, and also, too, um, having tacos for any that? meal, for any course. So, like, ah. breakfast tacos and brunchy tacos. I do like breakfast tacos. Dessert tacos. Yeah. Faith loves dessert tacos. She always oh, dessert tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. The last one I thought we would talk yeah. about is this idea that bubbles are going to be huge in 2018. Everything's sparkling. Soda waters. Yes. Yeah. They yeah. do a 365 brand sparkling water that mm-hmm. has no sugar, but it just has the essence of like strawberries or like lemons and yeah, you know, that. it's actually I like it. fun sort of alternative to soda yeah well no wonder Whole Foods is trying to all right so can I go back let's go back and look at the ones from last year and see if we think any of those came through so last year's wellness tonics not too mm. much, right? No. Uh, On the wagon going through town or whatever. Coconut everything. That oh. one I kind of get. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that. there was coconut in everything. I remember yeah. going to oil. restaurants. A lot of coconut. Uh, yeah, so that one was definitely true. Japanese food beyond sushi. Like I can m- see that. Miso. Yeah. Creative condiments. Oh, yeah. I dabbled with that. Rethinking pasta. This one I totally agree with, like different grains and also vegetable noodles. And I was in Stop and Shop just last night, and they had all these spun vegetables that they were calling vegetable pasta, and they gave you sauce ideas to put on it. Yeah, remember the spiralizer? Yeah. Uh Yeah. Uh, Purple power. So rich-colored purple foods are popping up everywhere. Purple cauliflower, purple rice. Purple sweet potatoes, mm. purple regular potatoes. Yeah, right. that's so 2017. That's so <laughs> yeah. 2017. Oh yeah, <laughs> and one everything more. flour now. <laughs> All right, one more. Flexitarian. I'll agree with oh. that one. Yeah, What's that's flexitarian? been around for a while. Flexitarian. That's like Eat anything. It's like being a vegetarian maybe during the week. Yeah, it's, it's personalized. <laughs> they say it's called a personalized vision of healthy eating that's less rigid than typical uh, vegan. Yeah. So you'll have a little meat, but you're not you're not super strict. You'll have fish. All right, so those were some of last year's. So what do you think? Half came true? Maybe it depends where you are in the country, though, as well. Trends, maybe in San Francisco or something. It was more. I'm, I'm going to help mushrooms go along. I'm going to start this week and put mushrooms never went away. I'm definitely yeah. doing it, but no, really push them because I love mushrooms. Me, Me too. too. You've been like getting your own, right? Yeah, this I, have fall? A, I have a woman that uh, Marlene, our mushroom lady, and she is super the sweet, best yeah. at finding <laughs> these great. Yeah, we got giant puffballs this fall that were like the size of basketballs, and if you've ever seen them, they're just giant white mushrooms. And yeah, you and you, you slice them and bread them, and they're yeah. just like eating meat. Come on. So that could be on the flexitarian diet from last year. This conversation is to be continued about 365 days from right now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We'll do it again. (laughs) Okay. On the other side of this break, 
Adventures in slow cooking. If all you ever make in your old crock pot is pot roast, stay right where you are. Food writer Sarah DiGregorio shares recipes from a three ingredient winter tomato sauce to a sticky toffee maple pudding, plus all kinds of slow cooking tips for today's home cooks. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. For on-demand delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week and for Faith's food, wine, cocktail, restaurant recommendations, hot topics, and short videos, plus all the recipes we feature, we're always online at foodschmooze.org. And we'll be right back. Moose Party, offering the richness of life, coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, where Faith loves to eat, and the Hamptons. You can hear our show on WNPR Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and Faith's curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. There are lots of recipes there, too, so jump on and search the site. We encourage you to talk to us on Facebook. I am always lurking there. Search Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Today's show was produced by me, Robin Doyan Aiken, and I'm joined in the studio by Faith's beloved food buddies. These are people I love to eat and drink with, Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, and Mark Raymond. While Faith's on assignment, we're in the studio with a slow cooker plugged in, about to jump into a topic where Chris Prosperi oh. <laughs> has some experience <laughs> given the uh-huh. insane number of slow cookers he owns. But we thought we'd get another slow cooking expert to join us because food writer and journalist Sarah D. Gregorio is about to change the way you think about your favorite kitchen appliance with her new book, Adventures in Slow Cooking. Welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I just said your favorite kitchen appliance, but I have to qualify this because my personal favorite appliance is probably my coffee maker, but... Or dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But the slow cooker is definitely a close second. I use it all the time. No way. Yeah. (laughs) I need coffee. I love coffee, but you know what? Sarah, we can make coffee in our slow cookers, couldn't we, Sarah? Come on. (laughs) Sarah is with us to um, help us put our slow cookers to better use because a lot of people say, like, set it and forget it and that kind of thing, and I can sometimes be guilty of that. But when you do that, you are sacrificing some deliciousness. Right, Sarah? Yeah, that's right. In general, I would say that's right. You know, I think that many people want to use their slow cooker as a convenience tool. And certainly, I think my recipes are convenient. And really, there are many, many recipes that you can leave to cook for 8 or 10 hours. But if you really want to maximize the flavor and the texture of the dishes that you're getting out of your slow cooker, there are often small and easy steps that you need to do either before you put the food into the slow cooker or after you take it out. And so those things like sautéing aromatics or 
adding bright, fresh ingredients before you serve or running something under the broiler to crisp the skin. Those steps are so, so powerful in terms of getting the most out of your slow-cooked dishes. So mm-hmm. agree. I mean, I, when I first started using the slow cooker, because I'd never used one before, I had never even seen one before. And really? Yeah, and I tried a couple of recipes, and I was like, this is no good. And you have yeah. to really rethink what it is and what it does, use it for what it does the best, and then do little things to augment. That's absolutely right. I think a lot of times people are put off from slow cooker cooking if they try a couple of recipes and they think, you know, what I make on my stovetop is just so much better than this. A lot of times, if you do just set it and forget it, you're going to end up with something that tastes too mellow. Mm-hmm. Everything is one texture, and you get something that's a little bit boring and maybe not up to your standards. But there are so many little tweaks that you can make once, as you say, once you sort of understand how it works and really know how to play to its strengths, you can really get amazing results out of your slow cooker, I think. Yeah, no mm-hmm. Agreed. So are some of these tricks stuff you do, like the benefit of a slow cooker is you can let it go all day and come home from yeah. work and your house smells great. So do you do this stuff in the morning before you go to work and then? Yeah, there's a lot of different scenarios that can play out in terms of what your schedule is like. So there are definitely recipes in the book that cook for eight hours for a doll, for instance, before you go to work. You might saute some aromatics, toast some spices, and then put it all in the slow cooker, let it cook all day, come home, your house smells amazing, Mm, and you just tweak the seasoning before you serve it, maybe add some lemon juice, things like that. So that would be for someone who's working out of the home all day and needs a dish that will cook for a long period of time. Um, There are other dishes where maybe you want to make it on a Sunday, you know, if you have four hours that you want to go out and do errands and you want dinner to be ready when you come back. There are a lot of chicken dishes that are great like that. So maybe you throw a chicken into the slow cooker and then come back on Sunday evening and you just run it under the broiler to crisp the skin. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that trick, that's a great segue (laughs) into the dish that we just ate, which actually uses that exact technique. Sarah, we just had... Chicken and potatoes. We had the miso butter roast chicken and potatoes, and it was delicious. Mm. So talk a little bit about this, this trick that you use to rescue the flabby chicken. I love this recipe, too. I'm so glad you guys tried this. This is a really easy recipe, and I think it really shows off the strength of the slow cooker. So you take softened butter, and you mix it with white or yellow miso paste. You put that underneath the skin onto the chicken breast meat, and then you pile some potatoes in the slow cooker, put the chicken on top, and you let it braise for four to six hours on low, or five to six hours on low about. But you're really going for that internal temperature with this um, to cook it to 160 because slow cookers do tend to vary in terms of how fast they cook. And then when you take the chicken out, it's this wonderfully moist, juicy meat that is um, sort of Mm -hmm. like almost but not quite falling off the bone, really very like imbued with the miso butter flavor. But like you say, in the slow cooker, the skin does not crisp up. It it remains soft and flabby. So what you do is you just carve it up, run it under the broiler. Um, And what I do is I like to make, to reinforce that miso flavor. I mix miso and honey together and just drizzle it over the chicken before I pour it. Oh, wow. Sweetness. (laughs) Awesome. And, you know, yeah, I think it's really nice because it brings out that miso flavor again because of some, some of that flavor gets mellowed in the long cooking. And it also really helps the skin of the chicken really crisp up the sugar in the honey. So it caramelizes a little bit. Caramelized, yeah, yeah, exactly. One thing I like to think about when working with the slow cooker is taking flavors and sort of reinforcing them several times. Something like using the miso a couple times and then you, you have like a mellow miso flavor and then you have a more 
powerful pop of miso flavor at the end. So I know Chris has like 17 slow cookers. <laughs> May I ask how many you have? So at my peak, I had eight. Um, That's pretty good. But I do live in Brooklyn in a two-bedroom apartment, yeah. so it's, uh, that was it was like they, we were very much outnumbered by our slow cookers. But you have to have so yeah. many different ones now. There's actually ones you can actually sear in now. A lot of them are electronic, so they'll you can set it for five hours and then set it to hold. A lot of them you can now the pan, uh, you can yeah. actually put on the stove. Yeah, and then the a lot of them have a snap-on lid, so if you're going to a party, you can take them with you. There's so many yeah. you need. There's a slow cooker for every occasion. Yeah. <laughs> there really is. I have to say, one of my favorites though is the KitchenAid six quart, and that oh, is yeah. a very basic mm-hmm. model. You can't sear in the insert, nope. but it does have this really sophisticated temperature control. So the low setting is truly low and it keeps it at under a simmer for mm-hmm. however long you have it set whereas a lot of the low settings will eventually end up at a simmer over a long period of time in different models i love I, that i do eat. have that one <laughs> that's my workhorse one last year cooks illustrated did um you know their own scientific study about the best slow cookers and that was also their number one pick yeah So I wanted to ask, because I've gone to some parties in the past year, and food is in a slow cooker, but it actually has not been slow cooked. So um, people forget that you can use your slow cooker for party food. Yes, everyone should take out their slow cookers for parties. They're such a natural because they free up stovetop space. They also keep food at this perfect temperature for eating, which is so nice. So one thing I really love to do is a cheese dip in the slow cooker, and then oh, you can yeah. set it out with a bunch of dippers and let people Ooh, go yeah. down yeah. on it. That was one of my favorite sections in the book. You have these three cheese sauces oh, that yeah. you can put out at a party. I'm thinking like Super Bowl or something because there's a great yep. uh, cheddar one. And then your idea, too, is to take the leftover dip and then turn it into something else awesome after. So there's a garlicky ricotta uh, with Swiss chard cheese sauce that's a dip. But then later you say thin it out a little bit and use it as a pasta sauce. I love yeah. that idea. So I'm thinking yeah, you can almost I- do like a fondue out of a slow cooker. Oh, we do. You can, but you need a stabilizer in there like cream cheese. And so that's why I landed on cheese dips because I couldn't get a fondue without some kind of a stabilizer to maintain its texture over, you know, an So hour as you dip so. something in, it, it doesn't like stick to it properly? The fat separates it, out. It ends up getting a little grainy. I have to tell it you too a quick ices. story that my dining room table in the middle of it as a has hole a hole. For, no way. <laughs> yes. So you can put the cord right through the middle of the <laughs> oh. table, and then you don't have any cords laying around. I, feel like I got in trouble, but it was so worth it. I still use it. <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah, I'm see? Impressed. I'm hardcore. Yep. <laughs> you are hardcore. Definitely. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, the other thing is, yeah, you can use it as a punch bowl. You know, you can have warm cocktails, serve a warm cocktail out oh, of Oh, that's there. great. I yeah. did that yeah. for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah we still, do hot mulled cider, that. right? Hot yeah. mulled cider we do in it, yeah. too. Absolutely, yeah. So alcohol evaporates at like 120 degrees or something. So is simmer lower than that? So you're not... Exactly. So you need to put it on warm rather than low. And that's the thing about having a warm cocktail on your stovetop is that it ends up tasting kind of cooked and and muddy after a very short period of time because the alcohol has burned off. So Mm -hmm. that's why I love the solution of the slow cooker because if you set it on warm, it will not, it will maintain that alcohol pop in there. burning it all off. So before we get to dessert, the sticky toffee 
off-putting, um, I wanted to ask about more of like a Sunday dinner thing, and that is this winter tomato sauce. And if you don't count the salt, actually, we're just talking really about a three-ingredient sauce here, aren't we? Yes, it is my adaptation of, of Marcella Hazan's famous three-ingredient marinara sauce. Yeah. It is just canned tomatoes, butter, and an onion, two onions actually in this case, that are cut in half and you end up removing the onions at the end of the cooking process. So it's really just sort of the essence of those onions, the really good canned tomatoes, and the butter, and they cook for a long time. The sauce gets super, super plush, like very velvety and rich. So do people believe you when you serve that as a pasta sauce, that there's only three things in there? I, you know, I try to keep people in the dark about the one stick of butter that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look. Well, <laughs> it's almost two ingredients. That's the kicker ingredient, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's the, you would yeah. think it's well, tomatoes, I mean, but the butter makes it. tomatoes are really good. It's such a no-brainer. It's just delicious. And this is what the crock pot does well, right? A sauce yeah. like this. Yeah. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. We're talking with cookbook author Sarah DiGregorio about her book, Adventures in Slow Cooking. Before we go to dessert, though, I have a quick question because when I first started using the slow cooker, stews, that was the only thing. It was just like, this is for stew, this is for stew. And pot roast. And pot roast. Yeah, but stewed meats and stuff. Then I started looking online for recipes and blown out of the water that you can make cakes cheesecake you can make crumbles crumbles all this like and and i think that's something we don't do enough of because i see people like when i go to parties do all kinds of like savory dishes but there's so much dessert work you can do in a slow cooker my very favorite thing to do in the slow cooker is use it as a water bath because it works absolutely perfectly and that was one of the first things i did when i was thinking about writing this book i had talked to grant ackett's about you know what a slow cooker could do and he brought up pot de creme and i was like really you can do a custard in the slow cooker and he was like yeah of course why not and i thought yeah why not i don't know so i went home and i i tried a really simple custard in little oven safe ramekins using the you know putting a little bit of water into the slow cooker and it just it works so beautifully because it really steams them very very gently it's super super easy you know it doesn't require turning on the stove and getting out a roasting pan and filling that with boiling water you know all of which works as well but it's a little bit cumbersome agreed that's why you need the 12 quart (laughs) <laughs> That's right. well, yeah, yeah. You do need so you a, could have plenty Is that the big biggest enough? they come? I have only seen them go up to 8 quart oh, There's a 12 <laughs> One of my favorite things to do is Especially you know how busy everybody is in the morning Is I'll set my steel cut oatmeal oh, yeah. up You know the night before yeah. You get up in the morning and you smell it in the house yeah. With all that cinnamon So you set the timer Yeah, yeah. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. It's, it's time for dessert now. Let's go yes, into dessert. Yes, <laughs> um, We have on the site sticky toffee pudding with maple caramel. Now, you have an interesting trick for balancing out the sweetness in this dessert. Yes. Um, and it, kind, it goes back to my favorite appliance, I think. So talk about how you, how you make this <laughs> British staple not too sweet. A sticky toffee pudding is basically a very moist date cake. It's a steamed date cake. And so what you do in the beginning is you cook the dates, often with a bit of boiling water and baking soda, which breaks down the skins and makes them very soft and sticky. But instead of using water in my recipe, I used coffee, which is actually something that I took inspiration from Martha Stewart on this. The finished cake does not taste like coffee, but it does have this very, very subtle sort of savory fullness to it that I think the coffee adds because... One issue with sticky toffee pudding is because it is a very moist date cake, it can end up 
tasting a little bit sweet, too sweet. So I think the coffee really balances that out. It's like in chocolate cake, too. Exactly. I love that you jazz up the the caramel with maple. And and I'm saying it right now here officially that maple will be a trendy flavor in 2018. It it was not on the Whole Foods list of food trends, but I'm seeing it everywhere. Yeah. Well, I hope so, because I think maple syrup is such a genius way to add full-flavored sweetness. I think it works so well because it echoes that deep, earthy sweetness of the dates but also provides, especially if you get a very dark maple syrup, which I prefer, has a very, very full, very rich, sort of almost bitter-edged sweetness that is so nice with this and just really reinforces all of those full-flavored, earthy, sweet flavors throughout the cake. Now I'm hungry for that. (laughs) I know. I wish Chris made this for us in one of his how many ever slow cookers. Yeah, I should have had all. I could have had four going at once. (laughs) Blown the fuse. (laughs) I've yet to do that. It's. I'm sure it's going to happen eventually. So at one point I had eight slow cookers lined up up and down my hall, all of them going with a batch of beans. Oh my goodness. I wondered if I was going to blow the fuse in the building, but I didn't. So. If you want to see proof, if you don't believe this, check Sarah DiGregorio's Instagram because there are pictures of all of these slow cookers lined up. So I hope you had friends to help you eat all that. You know, my neighbors are so good about taking my leftovers. Oh, they must home. love oh, you. Yeah. I wish you were my neighbor. You can come over anytime. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure to talk to you guys. It was great to talk to you, too. So much fun. Yeah. Our guest was the food writer Sarah DiGregorio. Find several recipes, including the miso butter chicken and the toffee pudding and the winter tomato sauce, on our site, foodschmooze.org. Plus, there'll be information about the book Adventures in Slow Cooking. Have your own adventures. Get the book, try the recipes, and leave a comment on the site and let us know what you made. Thank you to Chris and Alex and Mark. Thank you, listeners. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, keep an ear out for Faith's 60-second food schmoozes. I'm Robin Doyon Aiken. We'll be back next week for more fun. But in the meantime, I'll see you on Facebook and on foodschmooze.org. Everybody eats when they come to mind. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little more party in your life, we're here online at foodschmooze.org. And we hope you'll talk with us on Facebook. We're at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.